Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I am joined by arguably the drunkest man on the planet on Friday night. We're going into Tuesday. I am with Sado. Dan, how are you, buddy? So I'm a little bit shitty, to be honest, mate. It has not been a good 24 hours because I, too, had to sit through the Dally M's last night, despite knowing that I wasn't going to win. Uh, <laughs> look, in saying that, you are undisputably the Dally M podcaster and immortal of the year. That's, well, thank uh, you so much. I'll, that's that's the award. That's the award you can have in my heart, mate. I'll humbly accept. Thank you so much. How have you been, Terry? That was very rude of me. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, I saw your efforts on Friday night, and uh, I thought I'd raise them on Saturday night. And uh, like you, I've just not felt well this week. <laughs> it's it's the age. It's the age, mate. We're not we're not twenty one anymore. So, the, it's uh, the age or the AIDS, whatever. It could be a bit. Of <laughs> it'll, it'll get. Oh, mate, I, it'll get you somewhere. I regret nothing. I regret nothing, mate. I'll be doing it again on Sunday when it's my 39th or 40th birthday. I've lost count. So, yeah, yay for me. What are, what are, what are the plans for the weekend, Daniel? Well, the plan was to go and get shit-faced at the UFC before the grand final. But, uh, unfortunately, it's a 4 or 5 o'clock start because of um, uh, the, the UAE, the, the Arab audience. So, that, that's really fucked my plans, to be totally honest. I'm sure we'll think of something. Yeah, I'm sure we can do something. Look, I've got a uh, I've got a big weekend, but uh, it's uh, Bell's Bell's got the uh, the day out with the girls on Saturday, which means I'll get a day out with the boys on Sunday, and I'll whip around your house and uh, whip it out, no doubt. Fantastic, mate! Happy birthday to me! Yeah. Can't wait to blow out that candle. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Some footy happened on the weekend, Dan. How much do you sure. remember? Um, most of most of Saturday's game. Um, Friday, to be honest, I stopped watching half time and I was watching YouTube clips, but I had it on in the background because you know I'm a professional. Yeah. Oh, uh, look, that was speaking of professional. That was just a professional performance from the Storm. They, it was uh, gone. Ten yeah. minutes in, it was over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I, I I went upstairs to watch the game. Um, you know, put the little ones to bed and just said, look, I'll I'll watch the footy in the room next to you, so you don't have to cry and kick off. And um, I went to the toilet. And came out. It was twelve nil. It just, it was ridiculous. It was over. That first try, that first try broke them and yeah. they go back to back. It was game over from there. Then when they scored a third, I honestly saw 40, 50 mil happening. Yeah, I, th- I think they could have, but, you know, as, as we said about Melbourne being the most professional outfit in rugby league for the last, what, 15 years, as Cameron Smith said, um, you know, I think they put the cue in the rack, but not like a Cronulla version of putting the cue in the rack where they'll, they'll blow a 24-point lead and lose. They put the cue in the rack enough to just keep Canberra arm's length and get themselves into a grand final unscathed. And I think I think they're in better position for the grand final, going into the grand final, than, than Penrith are. Yeah, undisputedly. You, you probably noticed earlier in the series, one team had run out to an early lead and you never felt like it was over. This was completely different. Once Melbourne hit that lead, it was well and truly over. And you're right, they're gonna, they've gone through unscathed. Finucane got his uh, minutes. Munster looked like he hadn't been injured. And they rested Cam Smith. I mean, they gave Nico Hines his, his match payments because for being a good-looking human being. they It was almost a perfect performance for Melbourne. And considering the back line they have, I don't think many, myself included, saw them blowing them off the park so early. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, when you said about giving Nico Hines the rest, uh, I, I'm not sure because I refuse to watch Channel 9. Um, but the Fox commentators were saying, well, why haven't they taken Cameron Munster off? Um, they pretty much took Cameron Munster off the field without taking him off the field, if you get what I'm saying. He really didn't touch the ball, you know, for, for the final 15 minutes of the game. 
it was the Jerome Hughes show. Ryan Pappenhausen chimed in. Obviously, Himes was there as well. But yeah, um, they ran out of interchanges and obviously needed to give to, to get Nico on, and they didn't have enough to get Cam Munster off, so they just took him completely out of the game. Craig Bell on the ass, mate. It was yeah. just brilliant. I mean, all the talk all week was how Campbell were going to ambush him, how going to do this. Then Jared Croker happened. Croker happened, and he he was like, honestly, there's a spot there in Origin up for grabs. He was never going to get it because it's going to be Crichton or or Gutherson. But you got to go into that. Believe me, if I have a big game against the arguable favourites this weekend in the grand final. Uh, you can, how can you leave me out? And he turns in that fucking performance, and he's he's more reserve grade than he is origin level. And I, I know we've been saying it for a few years, but fuck, he confirmed it on Friday night. Yeah, if if ever you need to utter the words, why hasn't Jared Croker ever played Origin? Just go and watch that performance. That you know, big, because since he's been in grade, his defense hasn't been much better than that. <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's had those years where he scored fourteen or fifteen tries. Uh, and, and he, you know, he used to get his token four tries a year, jumping over the top of Ben Pomeroy. But, yeah, he's he's a very, very ordinary footballer. Canberra centres are the weakest in the competition right now. Jordan Ruffana has no business playing rugby league anymore. He cashed in his chips in last year's grand finals, had one good game since he's come back. Croker was hopeless. Kotrick was the only player from Canberra that I pay in that first little bit. Uh, uh, partly, of course, he, he's a freaking genius, and I thought, but I thought even he and Tappany got absolutely belted, and you barely, I barely heard Tappany's name, and I was expecting him to go out and lay the foundation. Yeah, look, Ricky Stewart's got this game plan, and he obsesses with his game plan, and he doesn't really change from it, and he usually takes Tappany and Papali off around the twenty-minute mark. Well, in the twenty-minute mark, Canberra had, had no ball, so that's why you had to look inside the opening twenty minutes, and you saw Papali had ran for. 20 metres and Tarpany wasn't much better and he, and he took them off and the Fox commentators were saying look Melbourne's taking their big boys off this is the time right now before half time you need to get Tarpany and Papali back out there it, it was 18-6 at the time and Canberra started getting a little bit of momentum so you know if you could if you could get one back on them yeah but unfortunately it just didn't happen it wasn't look I I didn't see the manner of the result coming as we all said, you know, we, I, I tipped Canberra because I needed one smart-ass, you know, one ha-ha, told you so. Um, gun to your head, you're picking Melbourne every single game, and I think it may very much be the same this Sunday. I, I'm going to say, I, I, did, like, I did say to you that Melbourne are either going to grind them down or, or blow them off the park. I didn't think they would, they would blow them off the park. I didn't see Canberra winning this game at all. I, I Literally, no, no bone in my body saw Canberra winning this game. But I didn't think that they would be that outplayed. you got to remember, this is a team that has been to a prelim last year and won and have a very, very good record against uh, the Melbourne Storm in recent years. So, um, yeah, I, I, I generally didn't see that performance coming from the Melbourne Storm. Um, and when you look at team... When, when, this, when a team puts in that performance, you go, oh... I don't know if they can back that up in the grand final. Melbourne can absolutely back that up in the grand final. Yeah. Melbourne can play better. They've done it. They've done it before. Mm. I couldn't stress enough how important that week off was because Canberra looked absolutely busted after 10 minutes. I mean, they ran back from halfway to the, under the try line a couple of times. I know that's a long way to run. But it, um, the Storm looked well-rested. They looked like they hadn't played, but that they'd had, you know, they didn't come out and play like they weren't ready to play, which sometimes teams do 
off the week off. They were perfect. And I think that the same thing happened in the Saturday game too. I think at the end, Penrith just had the legs and Sias couldn't run them down. Spoiler alert. But um, oh, like you got to get that week off if you yeah. can get it. And I think that – I know the AFL went the other way, but I think it completely rubbishes the – you need momentum at this type of year, time of year. You just need the players and the coach. It's simple as that. Yeah, I, I think as well going going – for the storm, it was important to get that because Papenhausen, although he was brilliant against the Eels, he took a couple of knocks. Bunavalu was apparently no chance to play um, the if if they lost, but uh, he got crooked during the week, um, and then obviously had Cam Munster's knee. They looked they looked fresh as a daisy. They absolutely did. I bet you there was no trips to Kaiama playing soccer before a uh, a fucking prelim for the storm, was there? <laughs> No, no touch footy for them, mate. That's, um, I think he's learned his lesson, put it that <laughs> yeah. way. Um, moving on, the Saturday night game between the uh, the Penrith Panthers and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I got as shit-faced as I could during the day and then stopped drinking at around about 6 o'clock to try and sober up for this game. It was probably the worst thing that I ever did because even though this game was close, I was so bored. It wasn't It wasn't entertaining. It was edgy seat stuff because it was a prelim. If this is round two or three, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. Straight up. It was so tense and every tackle was met with cheers. It's great to have big big crowds back. Every like um, break, every penalty was blown like it was a try. It felt like a prelim, but the game certainly didn't live up to it, which I think worked into Penrith's favour perfectly. What I will say is if Penrith play like they did on Saturday night, Melbourne will eat them alive. All that, dro- all that drop ball. And I know you and I have been saying that it's really, un- you know, the, the Penrith Panthers have been so clinical and they don't make many mistakes. But the players that we've been praising for not making the mistakes in Tamo and Fisher-Harris, they didn't make the mistakes. It was everyone else. They still went out there They still went out there and put in their professional performance. But I think the young players of the Panthers just really showed, you know, a little bit of nerves. Um, but in the end, they did enough. Now, we've got to talk about Two two things, um, well, one that's that's come out of this game that's got everyone talking about that I have no idea how people don't understand the rule. The forty twenty from Adam Reynolds. When he kicked it, I thought it was a forty twenty. I was up thinking, holy fuck, South are going to do this. As soon as they showed the replay, I said he stepped on the line. It doesn't count. And Sutton's first thing was outside, outside. Yep. Penrith yeah. ball and. The rule is, is clear as day. You have to kick the ball from behind the line, not on the line. And I, I was I was pulling my hair out watching you have to explain that to people. It's not that hard. It's on the line. That's the rule. Yeah. It's simple just, as. That, that's got it right. That's what they said. They, you know, there was some idiot on there turned around and said, well, if you put the ball on the try line, it's a try. If you put your foot on the out line, it's out. And I said, exactly. If you put your foot on the 40 meter line, you're fucking over it. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's Thanks not. for proving my point, Dick, Yeah, th- thank you. You've you've proved yourself right. It's not a forty twenty. Was it was a fucking good kick. It was a good, and it's, it's, it, especially it especially from how it happened as well, because he got the ball from a standing start and just one step kicked it, and it it was almost the best kick of the season. That dead set, I don't think he was expecting the ball because he was so flat-footed. Yeah. But when he kicked it, I literally went to tweet you and go, holy crap, you couldn't be more right. He's the best you know, kicker in the game. Luckily, I didn't hit Sen. It was a fucking good kick regardless. But that, that couple of inches, um, as we know, Terry, yeah. especially you, really, 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 really makes the difference there. Um, the other thing to come out of this game as well um, is what are Penrith going to do about that right centre position? Because... They had Brent Naden on the bench. Now, apparently he was sick. He didn't train. 
Um, and Spencer Lena was sick as well, so they couldn't bring him into the, the team. It was just Naden was a little bit less sick. But they, they did put Tyra May out there to do a bit of a job on Dane Gagai. Um, and they're saying that May's defence may be a little bit better. Now, it was not better in terms of tackle efficiency. He sat around about 77%, which is what Naden sat out on the season. They're both really not good defenders, but it's an audition to have to try and tackle, uh, tackle Justin Olam who is in red-hot form. Um, who do you go with? I know I know they've named Naden, but do you start Tyra May, or do you, do you give the do you give Naden the shot? You go Naden because he's the bloke that got you there. I know he had a less-than-stellar game in the first game of the finals, and that's what Penrith fans are worried about. Naden was like their, their, their one worry. And to be honest, his defense has never been that great, but he can bust you open. I know Tyron May scored a very clever try. He, he read that perfectly, and, you know, it, it just fell on a dime for him. But other than that, I mean, Naden, for me, and it's not even close. Plus, May being on the bench gives you that option that if someone does get injured in multiple positions, he can come in. Whereas Naden comes in, and I know he'll go to centre and May will go whatever, but he's got to start, you know, start cold because you're coming on, and like you said, you're getting red-hot Olam running at you. You can see the try, and Melbourne can defend a try in a grand final. They can win this 4-0. Penrith can't. So I think you've got to score more points. You've got to go with Naden. Yeah, I, I think you've got to go with Naden as well, because if he is having a shocker, you can you can always replace him. But the other, you know, the other, no one said anything about how bad Jerome Luai's defence was in week one of the finals, because because of the attack that he brings to it. Well, that's the same thing with Naden. You know, he's, he's, he's got the speed, the strength. He's a lot taller as well, and he's a lot better under the high ball because he, he's, he played on the wing for a long time. So I think, I think you've got to go with Naden as well, but I'm really, really looking forward. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. i tell you the matchup I'm really looking forward to is Kenny Bromwich and Billy Armour Kickout. Oh, those two are going to beat shit out of each other. Yeah. Sign me up. I've actually, I've actually breaking, breaking that all down tomorrow on zero tackle. Each position one by one. And I haven't quite decided which way I'm going to lean yet, so maybe you can convince me one way or the other. What the fuck was Bennett thinking with Angus Crichton? What did he do? I can't remember. He played him. He played him at centre and then moved him into the second row. Oh, that's that. For Sirenet. Yeah. Instead of putting him at lock when he was, he could have been the difference because Damien Cook did two fists of fuck all until Murray started making hit hit ups breaking tackles, playing the ball quick, and bringing him into the game. It only takes one Damien Cook break, and Souths are on their way. And I just, I think he fucked up huge. Is Damien Cook allergic to prelims? He must be. He, that's three times in a row he's been shit. Mm. He loves and an or- he, origin game. Yeah, yeah. He, he loves an origin game, but he's um, he's not very good in a prelim, is he? Um, it's like he plays too much, but he didn't have his big weapon running the ball down the middle and running it slow and tiring forwards. I just... They missed a trick there big time. Yeah, I, I was really disappointed in Cody Walker's game as well. I thought I thought he, I thought he tried too hard. I thought that was I the problem. South fan, and I said he's like, oh, this game's over. They've started too well. I said, no, no, you guys are in it. Cody Walker hasn't done anything yet. Like he's going to come good. And he said Cody Walker sucks in big games. So I went back and looked, and I don't I don't agree with sucks. I think a lot of it's coming from last year's origin performance, which wasn't too good, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I think he's been fantastic up to this. But, yeah, you're right. He was. I was expecting more. I thought him and Cleary are going to have the best battle here. I mean, the, the Penrith halves won. Yeah. Yeah, the, the difference uh, between the win and the loss for, for South there was Cleary's kicking game was 
better than Adam Reynolds, and Adam Reynolds' kicking game wasn't poor. But at a time when South looked like they were going to get a little bit of momentum, Cleary just kicked the ball and pinned him in the corner. And I tell you what, I know we won the trade, but that's what I miss most from James Maloney. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, I, I, mate, I just, I can't believe how far Penrith has come. That young, young Corey Allen too. It was a shame to see him get injured because he could barely walk by the end of the game. He still scored two tries. <laughs> he did. It was freakish, but I think they missed a lot when he moved from fullback. I know he scored a double. And I think they missed Johnson on the wing. But, I mean, overall, South had 55% of possession and couldn't win a game that they probably should have, which says exactly where they're at in big games. Three years in a row, they've fallen at the prelim. It starts to become a curse. Yeah. And, and it's like, where do Souths go from here? I know they're bringing in Jai Arrow, who kind of clocked off for the Titans and then got his form back. But they're just... I don't know what it is they're missing, but they're missing something. I think I, th- I think they needed to get David Fafita when they had a run at him. I think you have to leave Cam Murray at thirteen next year because that any time they moved him out of thirteen, he was he might as well not have been there. It's the same for Origin. You got to put him where he plays best. I think Arrow's got to play prop, and perhaps he and Burgess can be it, or he and Satola can be that that extra bit. I thought Liam Knight was quite good. He's just um, he's, he's just got an arrow. He's just got a brain snap in him every single game. Maybe maybe that's the difference. Their bench didn't offer much, whereas I thought Penrith's bench offered a lot. And we got to remember that Penrith had Catewell playing there instead of Kickow. Like, if you, can you imagine if Kickow had made those breaks or hit those balls up that Catewell had? It could have been game over. I thought Catewell did really well. I thought he was ripped off a try as well. The more I look at that Josh Mansour ball, we talk about momentum. I don't think I think it was flat at best, um, or flat at worst. Uh, yeah, I, I think Capewell was ripped off, and I'm 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 happy for Capewell that he's made the uh, the bench for Penrith for a couple of reasons. One, because he's a shark and he'll always be a shark. Two, his defense is really crap, so you know at least you know there's going to be some missed tackles coming his way, and there's going to be a bit of attack. <laughs> that turned very quickly. Yeah. Oh, I hope he does well, but fuck, he's going to miss some tackles. Well, look, look, look. He left. He left the Sharks, so I don't want him to win. But he's entertaining. He's a good footballer, uh, and he's going to play himself into a Queensland jersey. Yeah, absolutely, he is. That, that's a fair call too. I thank Agai's try. What do you reckon? It was a try. Yeah, I gave it a try. I thought it was a try in every one. There was that one angle that I thought, oh shit, they're going to take it off him here. But if three angles are good and one looks bad, you take the three good. So I, I thought the refereeing this weekend was was better than last week. I thought Ashley Klein was the best referee on the weekend. That was the best game that Ashley Klein has ever officiated, probably because he had Cameron Smith there helping him police the ruck. But that was Ashley... Like, stand up, applaud, take a bow. That was Ashley Klein's best game. He just... He didn't get the grand final because of his forehead. <laughs> I was thinking his surname, but it's definitely got to be that forehead. Yeah, I mean, this... You know, no one, no one worldwide cares about the NRL Grand Finals prelim. This game gets beamed into Asia, it gets beamed into America, it gets beamed into England, it gets beamed into Europe. You can't have forehead on there. You, <laughs> you, you know, and say what you want about Jerry Sutton. He's gone from being the best referee in the game to people think he's the best referee in the game, but he's absolutely dog shit. And I'd probably rather a game refereed by Henry, Henry Perinara than him. He's a good looking bloke, though. Ah, see, it's no forehead. Yeah, I... it, absolutely no forehead. <laughs> The marketing department takes off. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the key matchup for the game between Melbourne and Penrith? The halves. 
if Elaborate. Th- whoever's hearts play better win. Like I know, I know it's a forward battle early, but if your game's on the line, you're not throwing the ball to a forward, are you? You're throwing it with your halves. So I think a lot of them rule each other out. Like the fullbacks, I think Melbourne definitely have an advantage there, and obviously the number nine. But outside of that, I think Penrith pretty much dominate everyone where else. But see, see, if I don't, I, I, don't play, I don't agree with that there. And we're going to go through the uh, the team list right now um, and, and talk about that because I'm, I'm having a look here. And I think this is going to be a, a lot more of a, an interesting battle um, than you think. Now, let's talk about the Edwards here. you got Dylan Edwards, uh, the, the fullbacks, Dylan Edwards versus Ryan Pappenhausen. Dylan Edwards is arguably one of the most improved players in the game, as is Ryan Pappenhausen. But if you're going to ask me which one of these guys is going to break the game open, it's Pappenhausen, and he's going to be in that origin team based on the season he's had. I'm giving it Pappenhausen over Edwards. Yep, me too. Next matchup, you've got Josh Mansour, who hadn't scored a try for ages and has found a little bit of form, against Suliasi Vinavalu, who has just been on fire for probably the last five weeks. In terms of the meteorage battle, I'm going with Mansour, but in terms of who you know who I'd be attacking if I was either one of the halves, I'm putting bombs up for Vunavalu all day. I'm giving Vunavalu the edge over Mansour. I'll go the other way because who's more likely to do a double fly kick and get sent off? Vunavalu. Yeah, that's probably fair, but who's more likely to jump over the top of him whilst doing the double fly kick and score him a try? I'm going Vinvalu. <laughs> probably probably Vinvalu again. I, I think Mansour has been really, really good defensively this year, and I never saw myself saying that. Yeah. That That's almost a tie, but I'd, I'd go Mansour. It's almost a tie. I'm going Vinvalu. What about, though, Vinvalu's fake kick on the weekend and Jared Croker falling for it? Like a winger, oh a winger is not going to kick the ball in that much space, Jared. For fuck's sake! And he didn't even Oz tag him either. He just collected his toll he, money. <laughs> he had dead set the worst game. He had he had what fifteen centimeters, and he could push Funavalu over the thing. The bloke had stood still and was waiting to be pushed into touch. He could have. He could, laughed and went. He could have. He could have pushed him. He could have sneezed on him. He could have <laughs> blew on him. A butterfly could have touched him. Instead, Jared Croker fucking touched him. Just stood there. Oh god. Uh, the the next the next matchup we've got he's actually been named in the centers. We don't know if he's gonna start or not, but Naden versus Branko Lee. Uh look Naden's a better player, but Branko Branko's not bad. I, again, this is one where I can't I can't separate them whatsoever. I can't it, and it's I don't know if it's you know, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I would have fucking said, you know, twenty nineteen Ben Pomeroy would have been better than Branko Lee, but he's gone into that Melbourne Storm system. And he's turned himself into an origin player. He's going to get a Maroons jersey this year as well. I'm going to give that advantage to Brinko Lee. So at the moment, I'm 3 0 Storm. Are you serious? I'm 2 1 Penrith. Then we've got Crichton versus Olam. This is closer than I'm going to make it now, sound. Yeah, now, right. now you've got to think it's Olam's actually matched up against Naden and Crichton's matched up against Lee. So let's, let's flick it back and go with that then. So let's go Olam versus Naden. Who have you got? Olam. Yeah. And then if you've got Crichton versus Lee, I'm, I'm taking Crichton. Yeah, Crichton. Yeah. I think Crichton wins either battle. I think he's the um, the X Factor. Yeah. Now, this is, uh, I think, yeah, these guys are matched up against each other as well. Brian To'o versus Josh Adokar. Oh, well, you know, Toto's a good player, but it's not the same. He, he's not. Stratosphere. Yeah, he's, he's, is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's matched up against Josh Adokar. Um, Jerome Luai versus Cam Munster. I'm going to take Munster. If Luai can hold Munster, 
to an eight all, then that's humongous. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is you got to remember what Cam Munster you got. Cam Munster hates grand finals. He was useless against us. He didn't have to do fuck all in 2017, and he got he was the first player in history to be simbined twice in a grand final. Um, so you know, Blue Eyes never beat anyone as well in terms of you know Munster's the the better player. Um, so I've got that advantage there. So in the oh, and then let's go Cleary versus Hughes. Obviously, we know it's going to go, go. We're going to go Cleary. So one to seven, I've got it five two to Melbourne. I can't remember. I think mine was four three to um. You've you've got four the way you've gone. Yeah, you've gone four three Penrith. Yeah, well there you go. But the, the Hughes has been fantastic the last few weeks. But he's yeah, not remember, remember, Clarkey said Hughes. You know, he's always rated him, always respected him, and he he, he said that it was the big. Re- it wasn't even in his top twenty halfbacks. <laughs> he wasn't. There were three Bulldogs players there over him. Oh my god, Chad Townsend was over him. Yeah, my boy Barky, he's the best. Yeah, best Bar- Barky is the best. Uh, interesting matchup, battle of the number eights: James Tarmo versus Jesse Bromwich. Um, I thought Jesse Bromwich had a quiet year, but in terms of big game experience, I'm going Bromwich over Tarmo. Look, Bromwich is more likely to bust the game open, but he's also more likely to be, to do something stupid. I think the better player on the game on the night is the guy that has a Clive Churchill medal, Tarmo. Tarmo doesn't have a Clive Churchill medal. Yeah, he won it when the uh, Cowboys won it. No, he didn't. Jonathan Thurston won it, you spastic. No, I'm pretty sure it was Tarmo. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Jonathan Thurston. Well, it should have been Tarmo. <laughs> It should have been Jake Granville. No, it should have been Tarmo. He's the best player in the park by a fucking mile. Um, yeah, I've gone, I've gone Bromwich. Uh, next up... Was uh, it really Thurston? I've convinced myself it was Tarmo because I was drinking with his brother after it. Mate, seriously, Jonathan Thurston just got voted as the best Clive Churchill medalist of all time. Okay, well, there you go. Well, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit. Wasn't he the best player on the field? Uh, Appy Coruscant versus Cameron Smith. I know you picked Appy in your team of the year, but... Uh, you were wrong, and it's Cameron Smith. Um, I was correct. Correct, but it's Cameron Smith. Uh, James Fisher-Harris versus Christian Welch. I like Welch because he won us the grand final, but it's James Fisher-Harris all day. Fisher-Harris, yeah. He's a big, big, big player this weekend. Yeah, now look, Kenny Bromwich versus Viliami Kikau is uh, an interesting one, um, mainly because one of them does all their damage in the attacking end, and the other one does all their damage coming out of the defensive end. Um, Jesse Bromwich is a better defender. Uh, Viliami Kikau is the one who's going to break the game open. I know I'm le- I, I know it sounds like I'm leading to Bromwich. I'm not that dumb. It is Kikau. That is a very, very fucking juicy matchup. It's going to be good. I think Kikau, if he plays well, could win it for Penrith. Yeah. But if he doesn't play well, then that brings them right back to fucking... Yeah. Well, if, if Jesse Bromwich gets in his face, makes good early contact, and Melbourne don't give away too many penalties and let him have a good run 10 metres out from the line, they'll go a long way from shutting that edge down. Uh, then you got um, uh, uh, Khalees Kafusi against uh, Leonard Martin. Martin's had a breakout year. Kafusi's the better player. Yeah, Kafusi's definitely a better player. He's, got, he's been fantastic in origin for as long as I can remember. I, I, it's not not that not that big on concurrent form, but uh, Kafusi. Yeah, and then we've got Isaiah versus Nelson Asafa Solomona. Um, I can't split those two because they just offer two different things. You know, you know what you're gonna you you know, uh, Isaiah has been solid from round one 
through the prelim into the grand final. Nelson Sofa Solomona can bust a game open. He can also do something really dumb. I, I don't I, I can't I, I've tried to pick that one, I can't pick it. Yeah, for me, quite easily. I don't I don't think you give him enough credit, mate. He won the game for Penrith, don't forget, on the weekend. He made the bust that, that got him to the big dance. Uh, he didn't score the try though, so it doesn't really count. He certainly didn't. He was too busy drawing the fullback and yeah. putting Dylan Edwards over untouched. No, no one remembers who made the break, mate. I I've forgotten that. Yeah, um, look, uh, I don't know. I, I like Nas is the better player for mine, but I, I consider him a prop. So, uh, yeah, probably you. Yeah. Um, no, fuck, it, I'm going Nas. So Melbourne's up four two on my tips. <laughs> yeah. So look, I, I haven't really given Penrith much of a much of a battle. It really just comes down to for mine for Penrith to win this. It's it's as you said, it's on the back of the halves. It's Cleary. It is big time. The two, the two big boys in the middle, and Yao have to offer. They have to give Melbourne nothing. And I'll tell you what: if it's twelve nil, Storm, it's game over. If it's twelve nil, Penrith, it's not game over. So that's fucking really important for Penrith to get out quick. Yeah, you got to remember as well, Penrith. Penrith have got a bit of an advantage in terms of a, a mindset going into this game because they actually came from behind to beat Melbourne. Now I know the game was in Penrith, but. They still had to come from behind to win that game, and you know the the bomb the bomb was put up, and Pappenhausen did dog it. So I know it was Kiko coming through, but you know Penrith played well that day, and I think they do match up. You know a lot of the a lot of these here, you and I were arming and ahhing about who we gave it to, and you gave it to the others compared to what I did, which shows just how close this game is. Obviously, I'm leaning with Melbourne to win the game. Um, I think this is going to be one of the better grand finals that we've seen for a while. Definitely. There doesn't, there's not that weakness. Like, I don't... Like, Melbourne could come out and blow them off the park. But you just you just don't get that feeling. Whereas, even last year, I thought Canberra have got all the momentum coming in, but the Roosters are going to flog them. Mm. They didn't. But I don't get that feeling this year. Penrith have forgotten how to lose. I don't buy into this. You've got to lose one before you win one. Horseshit. So, I think they're coming in with super confidence. They're young play a lot of young players, and they don't have the likes of Cam Smith to pull them across if they make an error and get in there and be like, you know, maybe Marvin Tailmar's the one, but I don't think he's quite on the same level. So, ah, oh, look, I, I've still, I still don't know which way I'm going to go tomorrow when I tip for I, our zero tackle. Honestly, it's that close. I tell you what, if the game that Penrith lose to snap their streak is the grand final, I will never log off Twitter. I will be fucking. <laughs> Tearing seven shades of shit off of them, off their fans and everything. <laughs> I hope they're as smug as us after they win it for this massive winning streak. But if they, if they, if the game that they lose in their winning streak is the grand final, my god, my Twitter, my, my timeline will be cleansed. <laughs> do you um do you, do you think it adds more like um? Oh, it, it adds more pressure on the Penrith. Add more pressure. Yeah, it adds more pressure going, you know, on the Penrith. Obviously, you know, you look back at twenty sixteen because it's it's a season that we can really commentate on. We had that fifteen game winning streak, and then we went into the final series with the worst form going into the top eight, apart from the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, we fucking shit. That uh, that game to South, and then the, I mean the Dragons and South, and then getting smashed by Melbourne. That's how you do it, Penrith. You don't go in winning fucking football games. You know, it was the, the the Raiders towed it. We we drew with the Titans. The Raiders towed us. Uh, we lost to South. We didn't play the Dragons. Yeah, the Dragons beat us because I was at the wrestling a couple of years before, uh, a couple of weeks before. 
It was just after we'd um, drawn with the Titans. No, that was the Raiders, mate. They beat us 13 14. Oh, well, then the Dragons were there too because I remember Ben Barber scored early and we thought, oh, well, we're back. And then we forgot how to football. Fair play. Um, so fuck you, Penrith. I hope you lose because I can't wait to join into your fucking your get em on Twitter. It's going to be hilarious. But I, I'm leaning towards Penrith to be all honesty. But every bit of moment, like every moment I take to think about it, I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? Of course, Melbourne are going to win. Yeah, it, it's not a, like for mine. I had to go and put my multi on today, and you know, put put my final tip of the season in at work. But for my for mine, it was always like tip Melbourne. Melbourne's going to win. But you start umming and ahhing and second-guessing, you go, oh, you know, Penrith have got this red-hot form and, you know, people say they got kissed on the dick for the draw or whatever, but you can only beat what's in front of you, right? And they've, they've done that. But I really hope this is the game they lose. <laughs> it's it's the bitterness of being Sharks fans yeah. coming through, and I, I like it. I do. Um, now, do you think there's going to be a controversial refereeing decision in this game? There will be because people are looking for it. Even if it's a 100%, God, he got that right, there'll be still one fuckwit on Twitter who blows up and it'll get it'll hit the media somehow. So yes, but I don't think it'll be game decided. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything like like Ben Cummins' six again last year. Um, I don't think it's going to be that at all. But I think there's going to be a decision like a, you know, a forward pass or a ruck infringement or... Um, you know, and, and obviously a team won't have their captain's challenge. I think it's going to be something like that. And, you know, obviously, if it, the, the thing that I didn't like about it was both Souths and Penrith lost their challenges early, which is fine. But if you then, if the referee then makes the wrong decision in a ruck where he says it's a knock-on when it was actually a penalty or he says it's a penalty when it was actually a knock-on, that's not the referee's fault because he doesn't have that second person there to police it and give him the tip on. It's your captain's fault for blowing a challenge. Both those challenges that South and Penrith had on the weekend were horrendous. Yeah, the Mansour one was as clear as day knock on you'll ever see. Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking because he goes challenge it and you see Tama go, you sure, you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, 100% challenge it. And I was watching on nine so I couldn't get Foxtel to work. They're going like, what the hell? Maybe there was a boot there that we didn't see because he was so sure. Yeah. It was a fucking terrible decision. And I, I think the onus is on, you know, if, if Mansour had actually got upright and then played the ball onto the guy's foot, it's a crowding penalty. But he tried to play the ball as he was getting up. Sutton got that right. Yeah, he did. If you're trying to play that ball as you get up and you put it on the person's foot, don't expect a bailout. It's not a bailout. No, I, yeah. it's really, really important, the captain's challenge. I mean, it probably, hopefully it won't be. Hopefully we won't be talking about referees. There's always that opportunity. But it's so close that perhaps something like that's going to take control. What I'm sick of seeing on Twitter, though, is this, what do we have to do to buy a six again? Or why haven't we got a six again for blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Just forget the fucking six agains. Like, I know they can be game-defining, but people are looking for infringements on every single ruck. Like, oh, three tackles ago, this guy had his arm at this angle, blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut the fuck up and watch your game. Your team's in the grand final. So, yeah. I hope we're not talking about referees. I can't I can't take another year like last year. I kind of hope there is a controversial refereeing decision against Penrith just for Josh Robbo to continue tweeting three days after a game. Like, they actually won the game against South and he was still going on about refereeing decisions. <laughs> like, I can't, you, I can't you do beat, it, You beat the Roosters and tweeted about the game 
about that try for two weeks and then you beat Souths and you still... Mate, just enjoy it. It's grand final exactly. week. Get off Twitter. I just, I hope he's not on his phone this weekend. I, I really do. I can't take a three-day meltdown. I'm going to have to hit the mute button. <laughs> we love you, Josh, but yeah, you might get muted for a week. We do. That's all good. We've all been there, mate. Don't worry. After the first, like, you know, I'll probably troll you a little bit for the first day and then I'll mute you. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Absolutely fair. Um, Dan, I know you, you're probably going to give you a serious tip for zero tackle, but give me a tip now. How are you picking Melbourne or Penrith? Penrith by four. Penrith by four. I'm going to go Melbourne by double figures. I think they're going to win like 22-12. Yep, fair call. Uh, it's that kind of game. If Penrith win, who's your Clive Churchill medalist? Uh, it has to be Cleary. Has to be Cleary? Has to be Cleary for him to win. Yeah, in a four-point four win, it's definitely going to be Nathan Cleary's kicking game. Uh, 22-12, and I think Cameron Smith is finally going to get his Clive Churchill medal and retire off into the sunset as the greatest player of all time. You get his Lord's blow job on the way out. Oh, absolutely you would. I'd take every inch of that. Um, <laughs> now, let's go into uh, some controversy from last night. The Dalliams, before we go into the team of the year and our picks that we had against it, now, we made some pretty fun picks, and we should have had more than 50%. Uh, we ended up with six out of 13 players in there each. Um but for fuck's sake, the Daily Telegraph had one job. Keep your own shit under wraps. By 6 o'clock, everyone knew Jack White and had won the medal. It totally ruined it. And I think that as the count's going on, you start thinking back to games. You think, oh, maybe White was better than I thought he was. So if they announced it at the time, maybe maybe there would be the block there is today. But for them to put that up before the ceremony had even started, and then Buzz Rothfield calling for a full breakdown of the system before they've even walked the fucking red carpet it's just it just ruined everything and did you see the prick's apology he goes oh, i'm taking ownership over something that i couldn't help like, what the fuck is that look i will say this for old whiskey nose and i'm i'm a massive buzz rothfield hater all he does is write the shit right he's not the one that submits it and posts it online so obviously he's found out at six o'clock that Jack Whiten has won the Clive Churchill medal and Nathan Cleary wasn't the runner up. Um, so he's obviously gone and given his piece and then gone over to the rookie and said, here, Rook, this needs to go on the internet. Now, probably because Buzz was drunk, he hasn't said this needs to go on the internet at 11 o'clock at night. He's just said, here, Rook, stick this up. And old rookie's done it. You know? the person who The person who hits submit is the one who is to blame for this, but man, it's amateur hour. Fuck. Like it's, it's your award. And, and some of the, some of the picks on it, uh, you know, some of the point systems as well, you know, how Gutherson didn't get a point, let alone two or three in the final game of, of the season just fucking boggles the mind, but it's your award. You guys fucked it up. You know, did you go, did you go off? Did you go off at mobs today or what? Uh, I did. I tagged him. I said, you're getting sacked in the morning. But he muted me. And he told me he muted me because I hammered him until he until he finally bit. So he doesn't see my tweets anymore. Oh, he won't it. give me the satisfaction of, of blocking him, uh, blocking me. But Phil Rothfield is the editor at large. So he's got to cop that. I know he's not the digital ed- editor. That's moved. But both of them should be sacked, mate. And that would make my life so much easier. Yeah, and it just shows how shit the Daily Telegraph are. Like they all their journalists have gone on a down downhill slide this year. Uh, they're all going down. 
But yeah. that's monumental. I mean, even Dave Riccio, who has probably been the best journalist in the game for about eight years, has turned into a full-on fag. Like, I, I fucking can't stand him anymore. He's very bitter. I, I, you know, since he lost Nate Lyons, I know that was thick as Steve's. He's gone a little. I still, I still love Riccio. He's still, he's still quite uh, entertaining, and I love him on that whatever footy shows on Sunday that I watch. Sometimes when I'm hungover, can't find the remote to change it to Netflix. But um, it's not, it's not a huge glowing reference for Dave Riccio. But yeah, I can't think of one that I, I think, oh, I can't wait to read his shit anymore. It's more like who's pissing me off the most today. Yeah, uh, and and again, it's just I, I I've got to get back to it. Like I, I and I don't want to sound like a buzz defender, but. You've got one job. That's your award. It's the biggest award in rugby league. And you guys fucking leaked it out. It's so dumb. And then for them to hold the whole thing like everyone didn't know. Like, oh, my God, it's getting so tense. Oh, what an unseen winner. It's just like, just fucking own it. As expected, Jack White wins. Aha, uh-huh, we fucked up. Do better. But, mate, I couldn't stand it. I watched one award, watched that stupid hologram turned off. I was watching you, girl. Um, I've got to say this. Apparently, Yvonne Sampson knew at half past six. You know, there's all the stories going around now. She had to host a fucking show pretending. And then you had the four the four idiots in their Dallium vault or whatever they were who all knew the answer to it. And they were all Because you saw Ben Eichen go, who's going to take points in the last round? And Brandy wanted to turn around and go, fucking no one. No <laughs> one's getting any. And Brandy was like, oh, um. Uh, uh, fucking uh, Gutherson's tackle will get him two points, and maybe Nathan Cleary will get a point. And you could just see in their in their head ticking over was so hard for them not to do what the Daily Telegraph did and just go, well, spoiler alert, no one gets any points. Um, (laughs) and you could ruin the night. You could see the look on Ben Eichen's face when he had to ask these questions, just going, boy, (laughs) boys, who do you think's gonna win? Who the fuck do you think is going to win, Ben? We saw it fucking two and a half hours ago. <laughs> so bad. So my my favourite thing, though, is when everyone on Twitter's like, oh, they're suspended betting because of the scandal. Like, they didn't suspend it last year after the whole Bellamy bar. Fucking yeah. rugby league, there's nothing like it. Yeah, that's it. Everyone was like, oh, betting was suspended on the Daily M. Yeah, in January. Yeah, you can't <laughs> bet on the Daily M anymore, yeah. boys. Fucking, I, I love the rugby league community, mate. And then there was the guy today when someone said, oh, Jack White and Fidali M, who was the, uh, you know, what was he paying? And then that bloke put up the random Photoshop of the Perth Wildcats winning the championship, Sydney FC winning the championship, and he had Jack White at $31. I was just going, man, that's good. That's 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 really good. That's genius. You know, and he's, and he, yeah, and he's like, Sportsbet have, have null and voided this. And you had everyone tagging Sportsbet going, this is bullshit. And then Sportsbet came on and went, yeah, fair play, what a Photoshop that was. <laughs> and still, they're cool. still getting hammered, if you can, if I can find it. They're still getting hammered, like all the quote tweets going, this is just so unprofessional from a betting agency. Well, no, it's so unprofessional from fucking Daily Telegraph. <laughs> That's terrible. They completely fucking ruined the night. Yeah. I, I know we'll get into it in a second about the team of the year, but even some of these were just downright. How do they... How do they decide on the team of the year? Is it the player with the most daily end points or the best player overall that they just pick? So what it is, is the first five, the, the top five are guaranteed a position if no one's in the same spot as them. Mm-hmm. Which is how, I think in 2010, Paul Gallon, you know, we finished like 14th or something, but Paul Gallon was the lock of the year and he finished fifth in the daily end, so he was guaranteed his spot. 
problem was three of the top five members were five eight. Yes. So the what it then goes down to is everyone who's a judge puts a vote for the rest of the positions. So Gutherson was guaranteed fullback of the year. Jack White was guaranteed halfback of the year. Cameron Smith was guaranteed hooker of the year. Um, and sorry, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, Cam Smith was fourth. And then Luke Keary and Sean Johnson were tied for fifth, but it doesn't matter because Jack White was ahead of them. So, so pretty much the spine was guaranteed their positions and then everything else was just discretional. Now, to, to, to let everyone know what it means by, by that was everyone voted for it because Jason Tamalolo finished with the most votes for a lock. Um, Isa Yeo wasn't even second. He was third. I can't remember who was second. He was third. Um, I don't know. Someone someone put it out and they're laughing at it. Um, but yeah, Isa Yeo was given the lock of the year. Now, again, I'm cool with that because apparently Yeo had a good year. Um, in terms of the props, um, Papali polled low, um, Fisher-Harris polled high, and Junior Paulo polled somewhere in the middle. Um, so that's, you know, again, I think Kenny Bromwich had more Dalian votes than Josh Papali, but Papali got in the team of the year. Um, the second rowers of the year, Torhu Harris and Viliama Kikau finished first and second for second rowers. Perfect. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was pretty pretty obvious that they were the best two. Mm-hmm. I know the Telegraph had... Ryan Madison. Jayden, yeah, Ryan Madison. And Jaden Sewer was the third one I saw named. Yeah. And then there was Bailey... Um, Bailey Sirinan was fourth. Mm-hmm. And there was one other before Tohu Harris even got mentioned. And I'm like, what, what fucking games are you watching this year? He was easily the second best. Maybe even the best second roller of the year. I thought it was ironic that, that you know... The Daily Telegraph at 6 o'clock at night knew who the team of the year was, but the bullshit that they published was completely fucking different. Because yeah. their, their team of the year had Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback. It's, yeah. Hopeless. It's incredible. Uh, let's go through the, the Daily and team of the year. Um, Clint Gutherson was the fullback. David Nofaluma was the highest-ranked winger. Um, Crichton and Staggs, Katoni Staggs, were the centres of the year. Um, yeah, look, I'm ha- I know you and I both picked Zach Lomax. Um, I'm happy with Katoni Staggs. Look, I don't... In terms of flair, yeah, Staggs was probably... Yeah, he might even be higher than Crichton in most people's list because of what he did in attack in a shit side. His defence is atrocious, and I don't think he played enough games to justify it. I think Lomax was a better player overall, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain too much about that. Was Adokar the winger of the year? Adokar was the other winger of the year, yeah. That's, over, that, over Nofaluma, yeah? No, no, no. Nofaluma was one winger of the year and Adokar was the other winger of the year. Yeah, but Adokar won the award, right, for the winger of the year? No, they I didn't, saw something. They, they, don't, they didn't give a winger. It's wingers of the year. Gotcha. It must have been that I saw. Yeah, look, that was, you know, I didn't have Adokar there, but Adokar, you know, again, that's not one you can complain about. No, it's absolutely not. Um Jack White was the 5 of the year and the Dalian medalist. Nathan Cleary was the halfback of the year. James Fisher-Harris and Josh Papali uh, were the front rowers. Cameron Smith was the hooker of the year. Uh, Kikau Harris and Isaac Yeo rounded out the team of the year. Um, is there anyone in there that uh, you feel shouldn't have been given their spot apart from Katoni Staggs? Oh, I, when I saw it, I thought Staggs was the big one that stood out to me. Um, look, I don't. I thought Whiten was the third best number six of the year. I think Johnson, Luai, and Cody Walker were better. 
I went back and looked, and Cody Walker was pretty ordinary early on, so maybe White and jumps over him. But there was another one I was thinking of too that was even um, Luke Keery. quite close. Yeah, Luke Keery. And I'm like, he could be the fourth best 5'8 of the year. How can he win the fucking Daily M? It's because the way they choose the Daily M sucks. Yeah. And I hate it, and I say it every year, and every year I go on and complain about it on Zero Tackle. This year I'm not going to bother because I'm just going to focus on the grand final because I can't do it again. can't copy and paste the same article every year. But it, it just fucking sucks. Like, you can have a player who can be the third best player in the competition, but if the two above him are in the same team, he may not get any points, like, at all. It's just, I just hate it. Yeah, and that's, that, that was the thing with Cleary as well, is you show, they showed um, the final points. Jerome Luai finished on 17 points, so he's taken 17 go. away. There wasn't anyone close to um, Clint Gutherson from Parramatta, as an example. You have a look, Cameron Smith finished on 22 Daly M points. Brian Pappenhausen finished on 17. So he had Pappenhausen taking points off him quite consistently as well. Um, I'm going to look back at the 2020 season, and nothing about this says to me that Jack Whiten was the best player in the competition. Um, you're absolutely right when I think of five-eighths of the year. Um, I mean, he's not even going to play five-eighth for Origin. That's going to be Luke Keary. I thought Keary had a good year. Jerome Luai, Sean Johnson, uh, Cam Munster, uh, or other Cody guys Walker. as well. Cody Walker had a fantastic end to the year. Um, I mean, if anything, Jack Whiten was consistent. But, yeah, it, it doesn't... I'm not going to look at that and go, he was the best player of the year. Nathan Cleary, for mine, was the best player of the year. And if I had to give a runner-up, I would say it was Clint Gutherson, even though I picked Pappenhausen as my team of the year. Um, that was just a bit of banner because I like Pappenhausen more. Um, but any system that says a guy who was so dominant during the year was the third best player in the competition just does not work for me. Exactly. We we got to go to the American system, I reckon. Or I I don't. I like. I mean, the Brownlow is so much more prestigious than the Dalium because everything about it is just much better. Except when you know, it's it, for those who don't know, the umpires and officials vote on it. I don't want the NRL referees having another thing to worry about. I think don't think that's the right way. I know this year they did after it was pointed out to me. Former rugby league players and now the pure voters for Dalliams. But when you guys got got guys like Blocker Roach, who I wouldn't trust looking after my kids, or I wouldn't if I told him to take the fucking bin out, and I told him the green one, he takes the red one out every time because that's kind of bokies. I don't want these guys deciding the best player in the game. I didn't like it earlier when the fucking journos did it because everything comes into it. You had people that weren't even watching the game just look at the stats and give points away. I, I hate the whole system. I fucking hate it. If it doesn't pass the eye test, it doesn't pass the test. Nathan Cleary was clearly the best player in the game. Anyone who knows anything about the fucking game knows that. And the fact that he had to sit there and smile through that on grand final week was an absolute fucking abortion of a decision all around. Hated it, turned it off after five minutes, and to get five minutes out of me was incredible. It's never going to change, so I don't know why I complain about it. But fuck Jack White and fuck Canberra. That's the second award he's won in two years he didn't deserve. Yeah, you know, I, I know the, the Brownlow. I See, I don't understand AFL rules, so I don't know if the referee had a right game or a wrong game. So, cool, let them judge on it. Do you really want Ben Cummins giving his opinion on a fucking game? No. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. Six again, Ben, giving out the, the man of the match. Absolutely not. Um, 
I like I like the shout of captains and coaches of both teams, given like the Americans, given a ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Take take the journalists out of it. The captains have to submit their votes. It goes to someone on an Excel spreadsheet. Bang, they put it in. Uh, it seems easy. I mean, you you, you can do you can do the ten to one, three two one, whatever. But it needs it needs to go. The other thing as well is you got to have a look. Brandy Alexander. Um, He's on the board of the Panthers, and he's a Daly M judge. And I think someone said that he judged five games this year. Luke Lewis, Clive Churchill medal winner for Cronulla, he voted on games this year. Now, on the flip side, you have to have a look. Frank Pulatua, in a game when we beat the Warriors 46 points to 10, and Aaron Woods played 28 minutes, he gave Aaron Woods the three points over Sean Johnson, who had a try and four tries. You know, anyone coming off the field that day, if you'd given that to Todd Payton, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, John Morris and Wade Graham, would have given Sean Johnson the man of the match. That's it. It's, yeah. it's a flawed system. Mate, putting you on the spot, who's going to win the Dallium next year? Um, look, it's it's a it's a bit of a long shot because it's a lottery, but it's probably going to be C.S. Mate, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I'll give, I'll give you I'll give you a shout. I'll change it before then. AJ Brimson. Yeah, he he polled thirteen votes out of eight games, and so if he yeah. if he had played twenty, he would have won it. He would have won it in an absolute canter. Now there's there's no guarantee that that was going to happen. Yeah. But considering the players they got there next year and the way the coaches built that game around him, I I don't think the Titans will win the comp next year. But AJ Brimson is going to be the one to watch. So anyone who's thinking of you know getting on a player. Um, Moss well, and I both rode Mitch Moses this year, so get on Brimson for fucking aggression. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I, was, I did see that um, AJ Brimson played eight games and got thirteen. And if you if you did that, if you pro-rated it, if you played sixteen games, he would have been on twenty six points, same as Jack White. And then you give him another four, he would have had another six and a half. He, he thirty two, thirty three points. Would have won it easily. Yeah, would have won it easily. Um, Rookie of the year, Harry Grant. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that one. I thought Grant was the rookie of the year. He was The thing is, he was the clear-cut favourite at the start, and I think he got so far ahead of Crichton and Rudolph that it didn't matter. Yeah, you're right. And, and he was he was playing flashy. Like, you, Toby Rudolph's stats were pretty incredible by the end of the year, yeah. and so were Crichton's. But, you got again, it's the eye test. He's the one that's making all the breaks and keeping a shit time team in the competition. I know technically I think they won more games when he wasn't there, which is just fucking one of them aberrations. Mm. But he was their best player every single week he was on the field. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah no Congratulations idea. to the Melbourne Storms, Harry Grant, for winning the Rookie of the Year. Uh, Captain yeah. of the Year, Roger Tuovasashek. I had a – I've got a big – that's a big fuck off for mine. Um, I, know, I know he was away from his family. I know he was in Australia the whole time. I feel that's a sympathy vote. He wasn't the captain of the year for mine. It's James Tarmo. 110%. You can't tell me otherwise. A, a bloke who captained a team that dropped three points was not the captain of the year because of a feel-good story that the Warriors left the competition. Yeah, look, cool. Good on them. I'm glad they stayed behind. RTS wasn't the captain of the year. That's pretty much how I feel. Yeah. I, not, not as harshly, but I felt, I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about that Tarmo should have won. I still maintain that hundred percent. I can. I know why they gave it to Roger, but yeah, they felt sorry for him. Yeah, it's a sympathy vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach of the year, Nate, uh, Ivan Cleary. Um, yeah, the people going 
Todd Payton was robbed. <laughs> Fucking, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Payton won five games and lost nine and conceded 50 and 46 in his first three games. It wasn't results the coach. matter. It wasn't the coach. Exactly, results matter. The coach of the year dropped three points. He dropped. It, it wasn't. Three. It's not even close. It's like, not no. even close. And and if you're gonna if you're gonna turn around and go, oh, but you know, from what they did and what, well, the the bloke who came from last to ninth and didn't recruit anyone for this season has probably got more, uh, you know, more validity to being the coach of the year than Todd Payton. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I. I it, for mine, it was clear cut. It was Ivan Cleary. Uh, and if it wasn't him, it was Craig Bellamy. And if it wasn't him, the awards a fucking joke. <laughs> it is a joke. It was. It there was no discussion yeah. on this one. The Proven Summons Award for the feel good story of the year was. It was always going to be the New Zealand Warriors. How the fuck was Josh Papali's tackle on uh, what's his name Jamal Fogarty where he ankle tapped him? How was that nominated for a feel good yeah. story? He got he got the tackle of the year and fair play, but that was nominated for the feel good story because a prop ran down a slow halfback. Isn't it the moment of the year? Not yeah, the good... yeah. Well, that's uh, it's it's yeah. Whatever whatever the fuck it no, was. No, it wasn't. It's no. It's not the same. The Warriors are always going to win. Yeah. that and good on them. That one they hundred percent deserve. Yeah. Um. Ali Brig- Ali Brigginshaw was the uh, female Dalian player of the year. I wouldn't know if it was deserved or not because I can't watch women's sport. I'm sorry. She, um, she's the Broncos, yeah, five eight or halfback from memory, and she's um in a world of her own because my girl Maddie Stud had an absolute shocker this year in the Red V. Oh, she in the Red V. How did she? How did she win Cronulla's Women's Player of the Year? She was in our our team that we had. Oh, and then and then went and played NRLW. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fair play. Yeah, but she had to because we don't have a team. Fuck you, Todd Greenberg. Yeah, exactly right. Look, let's leave it there. We're we're running out of time now. That was a, a fun show. Um, I will put out a bit of a language warning on this one because you and I let our opinions get a bit heated at times, Daniel. But I don't know when I'm going to see your beautiful face next because I'm tied up for the next four or five weeks. We'll try and sneak in a grand final uh, review and and something else. But for now, Dan, we might be signing off for 2020. We'll do it, mate. Fins up, every motherfucker. Fins up. Kudala Kudala Kudala